Good evening, all you Jaybird watching and friends of the feather out there. Another wonderful episode of Jaybird watching here. Exciting, fun stuff here as we have some special guests from Radio Scouts uh, this evening to talk more Blue Jays banter with you. Brendan Panikar, how's it going, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I like this uh, late night podcast that we got going on here. It's going to yeah. be a great time. Yeah, a few beers in. You know, the Jays are winning at the moment, and things could be good. Could be a lot worse after all the nonsense that Blue Jays fans have went through in the last week. Yeah, sure could be. Jacob Wiggs pack looking good, and Bo continues to look good, so it's all good stuff, my friend. We have awards and all sorts of good fun stuff, but I think this might be our award-winning show, I think, as far as everything goes. Our friends from Radio Scouts, we have Mike Paul and Alan Hessen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to butcher it. I didn't have this man in front of us. So, Mike, okay, Alan, how you guys right. doing? Super duper good. Yeah, doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having us on the show. I'm glad yeah, we're going to be able to have some shenanigans here this evening. That's all I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. It should be a good time. So I'm going to let Mike, because he was the first one of you two to chime in on the you know pre-chat banter here. Marcus Stroman is no longer a Toronto Blue Jay, and it looks like the Blue Jays might have gotten a few decent pieces back, or at least some guys with some possible upside here. Um, first off, Mike, what do you think as far as Marcus Stroman not being part of this future plan anymore with the Toronto Blue Jays? I'm... Perfectly okay with it, to be quite honest. I, I understand that, you know, an option to extend was possibly there. We don't really know what he was asking for. Um, and it really did seem like at some point or another, probably due to his uh, incessant uh, bad publicity that he'd been given the front office, but he, they were probably not really willing to keep him around. So to get, they obviously settled on, you know, trading him. And, um, I think the trade, the actual trade return itself, I was okay with it. Like, I love Simeon Woods Richardson. I think he is, at least at this point right now, whether or not he's on list, he's a top 100 prospect. Uh, Anthony Kay is near the back end of a top 100 list. And uh, I think that right now, like, I, I'm really good with that trade. I think both guys have a potential upside to be big league starters. Uh, Woods Richardson, like, possible number two type right now. Anthony Kay, probably more like a, uh, like a number four Maybe number three, if everything comes together, like if his changeup can get back to where it was in college. So, yeah, I'm, overall, I'm just, uh, I'm pretty okay with the trade. Alan, how about you weigh in? Yeah, I completely disagree with Mike. Um, <laughs> I'm but, glad I led that in perfectly then, just slap him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the return was really light for, what is it, a, you know, a year and a half of Marcus Stroman when surely there was a lot of bidding going on. Then there's that report that came out um, a little a little while after the trade that said that the Twins were upset that the Jays didn't give them a chance to top that offer. And I'm not sure if I want to take that at face value, but given the return, it certainly seems like someone could have topped it. Um, Woods Richardson's fine, and his numbers are, are very good this year, but at the end of the day, we have to keep in mind that he's an 18-year-old pitcher, and he's, you know, now he's in advanced day, but he wasn't a ball. Um, he's a while away. And, you know, a lot of things can happen to pitchers. The attrition rate, especially for young pitchers in the minor league system, is very high. And um, I just – I feel like we should have squeezed an extra piece or two um, given the leverage that we had, how many teams in contention have, you know, holes in their starting rotation. And um, if I'm being honest, I think the return for Aaron Sanchez – Eugenie and 
Cal Stevenson was pretty close to the uh, to the Strowman return because I don't really think much of Kay, and uh, I've been a bit of a Derek Fisher fan in the past, so that's my take on it. Except Brendan Carr, I wanted to ask you this: Did the Blue Jays wreck the trade mar- deadline for everybody with Marcus Stroman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a thing that uh, Ken Rosenthal came out and said that they weren't too happy, other baseball executives. But you know, yeah. Mike and Alan, I kind of fall in the middle of you two. I think it's perfectly okay to be excited about the return of Simeon Woods Richardson and Anthony Kay. But at the same time, I think it's perfectly okay to be upset about it, too, because you never know. Maybe the Twins are doing a little bit of PR save because their fans are pretty pissed off that they didn't go out and add a starter or even a bullpen arm besides Sergio Romo uh, and uh, Sam Dyson at the trade deadline. But, you know, it would have been interesting to truly find out what the Twins could have offered them because there's a good chance they would have beaten their offer. But there's also an equally good chance that the Mets could have pulled that offer of Simeon Woods Richardson and Anthony Kay off the table if the Jays asked for a little bit more time. So there's a lot of different fallout from this deal, and I don't know if we're ever going to find the answer out for it. So I'm okay with the return. I don't mind it, and I actually do think Simeon Woods Richardson is going to be a legitimate piece going forward, maybe in two years, three years when he gets to the big leagues. It's uh, pretty telling when you go on Mets Twitter and look at how upset Mets fans were that they included Woods Richardson in that deal, so that excites me. Yeah, it's yeah I could uh, put off the, the uh, toil of others, right? <laughs> it makes you feel a little bit better. It's yeah. Best. <laughs> so, but as far as Blue Jays fans are concerned, a lot of di- discourse and just displeasure with the front office over the next big move, which was the Sanchez Biagini Cal Stevenson trade for Derek Fisher. Um, I'm going to go reverse on this one, and I'll let Brendan you kick this one off. Yeah, I. Uh... If it was Sanchez and Biagini, just the two of them, I kind of would have been okay with it because you're kind of looking at Aaron Sanchez. Everybody kind of was pissed off at how he was performing for the longest time with over a six ERA, and people were complaining about him going every turn out there. But, I mean, you just kind of throw in Biagini to sweeten the pot. I felt Cal, Cal Stevenson kind of pushed me towards of, eh, I'm not sure how I feel about the trade, but you go through and look at Derek Fisher's numbers, and there's a lot of good there, and it kind of lines up with what the uh, with what the front office is looking for: high exit velocity kind of guys, high launch angles, and honestly, Derek Fisher barrels the ball a lot. Something that they've clearly valued in uh, Randall Grichik and Teoscar Hernandez in trades before. So, if they can get Derek Fisher right, there's a chance he could break out because he was a top prospect with the Astros for quite a while. Alan. Well, I, I I agree with Brennan there. Um, well, I, I think I, I I'm more bullish on the trade than he is. Um, at the end of the day, I think that Sanchez. Okay, if we're looking factually, Sanchez by many metrics was the worst qualified starter in baseball this year. Um, Joe Biagini is a rather super superfluous um, reliever. I mean, he, he's a decent reliever, but, I mean, I feel like talents like him are pretty dime a dozen. I think his, tech, his personality was more valuable to us as Blue Jays fans than anything else. Like him saying he's excited to go to space when he got traded to the Astros. He <laughs> might be one of the fun. best interviews in baseball right now, and I think that goes for oh, something. Definitely. That was one of the best, you know, welcome to the club, you know, introductions yeah. I've seen in a while. <laughs> there was another interview, and not to get too off topic, but there's another interview I'll always remember of him. Um, when someone asked him what's the best thing about being in the major league, and he's like, honestly, it's the pants. 
exactly get pants that fit him. And that's just, it's, he's so quirky and, and, and amusing. So that's the part I'll miss about Biagini. But his mound, his mound performance is, is very replaceable. And as interesting, and I was a big Cal Stevenson fan, so I want to qualify this. But at the end of the day, uh, Cal Stevenson is a outfield prospect. He's, what, 22 or 23 in uh, yeah, high A? Yeah. And, um, and he doesn't really have any power. Uh, his ceiling is rather limited. And when you trade all those guys, I mean, you're really trading quantity for quality. You think about all those guys individually aren't worth much, and you package them together, and you get a guy like Derek Fisher, who is blocked in in, in Houston, and he's got he's oozing with talent. He's got you know Fangraphs has him with 70 run and 60 pa- 60 raw power. If he can tap into that, I mean, the the possibilities are really endless for what he could do to the team. And maybe there's not a a huge chance that he can become the star that his talent warrants. But I think what we gave up to take that chance isn't going to cripple us. Mike? I think that uh, I thought well, I thought I was going to be maybe the only one that really liked the Fisher trade, but uh, I I do like it. I mean, it's not like a clear win for the Jays or anything like that. Even the Stroman trade wasn't, wasn't a clear win or anything. I just like the returns on both of them. Basically, I'm going to echo kind of what both Alan and Brendan said. And that is that, you know, they kind of packaged three assets together that really didn't have a lot of value on their own. Uh, is he's just a guy in the bullpen. Aaron Sanchez was a failed starter, pretty pretty much lost all value at this point. And then Cal Stevenson, who, yeah, his numbers are great, but he's, um, you know, he is older for his level than, uh, you know, most legitimate prospects are at that age. And uh, he's also... Okay, so guys with like 20 or 30 grade power like he's exhibited so far tend to often flame out in the higher minors. So I just really wouldn't be surprised at all if the wheels kind of fell off of him here at double A when he gets promoted. But uh, having said that, I would have probably put him in the top 25 GS prospects before the trade. But uh, I'm happy with Derek Fisher. Uh, I think he's a great ball player potentially. The, the speed is elite, by the way, guys. Like He's like right ahead of Ronald Acuna. In uh, in sprint speed right now, so like that's insane. Um, if we get somebody that athletic the, back, <laughs> yeah, uh, the power is obviously legit. Like he does barrel baseballs. His exit velo, I think, was somewhere around 94 miles an hour in mm-hmm. action this year. So, you know, if he can work on the strikeouts a little bit and just cut those down to like something playable, like 30 percent, then I mean, we're talking about a legitimate piece here. And his defense is at least average, if not, you know potentially better than that because of the speed. So, yeah, just his arm is a bit of a noodle arm, apparently. Yeah, I got to... So, I mean, go, overall, I gotta, go ahead. it's a good... Oh, I was going to say, overall, it's, uh, it's a good-looking trade for the Jays. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I couldn't help but when I saw it, because the initial reports were that it was Biagini and Sanchez and, De- and for Derek Fisher, right? So, right. me being somebody that roams around the minor leagues, I have gotten the pleasure of seeing Cal Stevenson a few times. And mind you, he's only been in the organization since last draft. So that's saying something, right? <laughs> so I just feel like after watching him play the few games that I have seen him play, this is a guy that's a grinder that's going to find a way to get to the majors one way or the other. Regardless, of, the, I know the flameout is a possibility, and it is 100% accurate that you do get to see these guys that just mash like him, hitting single, 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 single. 
I really think he is somebody that can develop average power and be somebody as a big threat at the top of the lineup. And I literally, literally saw him run through a wall in Bluefield for the Blue Jays last season <laughs> to catch a ball. And then that following inning, he came up and hit a triple. So, wow. It was, like I said, that work ethic is what has gotten me to being this might be the one piece that got away in the midst of all these trades, kind of how we eventually got Edwin Encarnacion as a throw-in. I'm not saying he's going to be that kind of a power player, but that potential war replacement level player that could be like, oh, my God, for the Astros, and that's what scares me about this trade. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, But that's yeah, how I... baseball is. You never know how these trades are going to work out, right, fellas? Everybody's still there. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's still here. <laughs> that wasn't the crash of Derek Fisher getting hit in the face with a ball. I promise everybody. <laughs> and I think that, honestly, I think that's the summarization of how the Blue Jays fandom feels at the end of all these trades. We gave up everybody that we loved and got literally punched in the face. <laughs> so, yeah. But in all reality, I think that we got some great pieces, yet, and it's just too early for Blue Jays fans to be jumping ship and freaking out on the level that they had been to a certain level, I think. And, guys, here's the next part. We flipped a couple of random finds in Daniel Hudson, uh, Dave Phelps, and Eric Sogard into four players. Not just – and a couple of these guys were – and Kyle Johnson was a 27th-ranked uh, pitcher in the you know Washington National System. Brock Stewart was a – at one point, a valuable piece of the Cubs' future. And then we have two more guys that are eventually coming over from the Tampa Bay Rays. And this is what you wouldn't have guessed, but this is the kind of thing that the Toronto Blue Jays brass has been doing over the last you know, few years, turning something well, that was kind of not even on the radar into actually something. And, uh, Alan, you haven't went first yet, so I'll let you go first. Well, um, on the... Um I don't know if we can talk about it. We have a, a funny thing about the Brock Stewart thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that the Jays um, ended up signing him. Um, we have a, a mutual acquaintance in the in the front <laughs> office who, before he worked there, was a huge Brock Stewart fan. So we're wondering how much influence he had. Um, and um, a, a, an underrated part of the Sogard trade might be that because Sogard is no longer here, regardless of the pieces that we got back, it opened the way for us to now be um, watching Bichette. And I was genuinely concerned that we wouldn't get a chance to see Bichette this season. Um, And I feel like it's important for him to kind of get his feet under him, kind of like Vlad. Vlad didn't come up and Vlad didn't start mashing for a while. And then after the All-Star break, he's been basically, you know, almost prime Miguel Cabrera. Um, so I feel like it was important for Bo to get his feet under him because I think that the 2020 Jays are going to be a lot better um, than people think. You know, the pitching is still a question mark, but being able to see Bo up with the team, I think is uh, something that shouldn't be overlooked with the trading of uh, Eric Booker. Yeah, grabbing these pieces kind of almost opens up the eyes by bringing up all the other kids and whatnot and this is a point that we've been hitting 
thoroughly on our podcast here, Brendan Panikar and myself, and I know you guys have been doing that same thing. The future is very bright, and it could be a lot sooner. Guys, this offense is almost ready-made as it is right now, and it's only going to get better with the experience. But, Brendan, let's wrap this thing up here with the uh, last few pieces that we got during the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Johnston for Daniel Hudson. I mean, honestly, I'll preface this by saying the front office has done a fantastic job of turning in relievers who they've kind of picked off late in free agency or picked up guys at the end screen training in turning them into assets. I mean, you look as far back as Joe Smith trade, you look as far back as Sung Juan L, even though it's not that far ago. But regardless, they've had a very good history of turning in relievers they picked up late in the offseason or even at the end of spring training and turning them into potential assets for the future. Honestly, it's all about stockpiling assets, and they've been able to do that by getting Kyle Johnston and by getting Thomas Hatch. Even if Hatch and Johnston turn into bullpen arms, both of them, the reports on both of them were that they had really big fastballs and some pretty good secondary pitches too. So even if they turn into bullpen arms, they're going to be able to contribute to this team. And you know what? you got to take flyers on these guys. You took flyers on Daniel Hudson. He kind of took a flyer on Sun Rano because he had some arm questions when he failed that physical with the Texas Rangers last year, and they were able to turn it into Forrest Wall and Corey Spangenberg. So, honestly, I don't think you can say that turning Daniel Hudson or David Phelps or anybody that they've traded the last few years into these assets is a bad thing. So, I'm happy with the returns that they got for, both, for all those bullpen arms they've traded this offseason. Or, sorry, the deadline. Mike, you want to put a bow on it? Sure, yeah. So I'm actually, what, I'm, what excites me the most is that the Jays somehow managed to turn 14 years of control into 42 years of control. Did, are you one of those ones like that, that bought that shirt already? <laughs> no. no. I'm thinking um, about it, guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, though, what I really like about Kyle Johnston is that, so he's a starter right now, but he's already touching 97. So if he can pair that fastball with his, um, his slider, which is supposedly really good, and maybe he becomes, you know, like a multi-inning relief arm. Like, that's a very valuable piece that the Jays just got for uh, Daniel Hudson. Yeah. And Thomas Hatch is no slouch either. Apparently, he's just added a cutter in the last few starts. And, I mean, yeah, he got blown up in his first start with the Jays organization. But, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's one start. But, apparently, he's looked a lot better lately. So, I- I'm interested to see how these guys develop over the next, uh, you know, season or so. I think that the Jays did well to get these guys for, as, as Brendan said, just these uh, – you know, these afterthought signings like Hudson and even Sogard, who's so good for the Jays this year. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of being able to actually watch Anthony Kay's first start with the Buffalo Bisons on the minor league baseball TV. Um, it was up and down and kind of all over the place, but that's kind of been the M.O. for him, especially as he's been transitioning to tra- the AAA level. Lights out in AA. But, oh, my God, watching his secondary pitches – when he was snapping them off, it was pretty ridiculous. He was making these guys look pretty silly at the plate, and it's going to be that much more fun to watch. Is Honestly, guys, it, it, you would expect almost with the way things are going that Anthony Kay is going to get probably a shot at the major league level before it's all said and done this year, or am I completely out of my depth? <laughs> no, so. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, all right, so we talked about that kind of stuff. The fun things that are going on right now, fellas. This offense is slightly on fire, especially on fire when you compare it to how we couldn't even get a guy on base basically to start the season off. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
the first Blue Jay rookie to ever win two player of the week awards. And in all reality, do I even remember a Blue Jays rookie winning a player of the week award? Does anybody want to correct me? <laughs> I can only think Eric Hinsky. I, I think it was probably Delgado, if I were to guess. That would make sense because I think he had that one week where he ripped off three home runs and then he unfortunately cooled off really, really quickly and had to go back down to the minors. But that might yeah, be it. Not a but regardless, fellas, <laughs> he's batting 500 with three home runs. And I, I can't remember how many RBIs over the past week, but it was slightly obscene when you're talking about that grand slam and everything else. And this is while, oh, 11 RBIs, just found it. <laughs> is this what you were expecting to see Vladdy Jr. be doing right when he came up? Um, let's say Allen. Or do you think that this is the new Vladdy that we're going to just see constantly all day, every day? Well, I think that I think that um, prior to last season, then you you'd expect Vlad to come up and struggle a little bit, and then eventually morph into this kind of hitter. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a true talent, 170 um, weighted runs created plus player, but it's certainly within his capability. Um, you know, we got spoiled with uh, Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna last year, coming up as you know, basically teenagers and just having absolutely no transition to the major leagues, just destroying baseball immediately. Um, but a difference with Vlad is that pitchers treated Vlad as a, um, as a top tier hitter, basically as soon as he was promoted. So he didn't really have an opportunity to kind of feast as he gets up like a lot of players do. He had to make those major league adjustments immediately without that period of success right when he came up. Um, but so, uh, you know, in, in another, you know, a few years ago, you'd expect Vlad to start off this, the way that he did. Um, but now I think we're seeing the kind of hitter that he's going to be. Um, my main concern with Vlad is whether or not he can actually stay at third because he does not look good there. Brendan, I'm going to so. let you pick it up where you left off there. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah, yeah you. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with Alan, especially in terms of the defensive thing. Personally, I think they're going to give him all of next year or maybe part of next year to try it out again at third base. At this point, I think he's just keeping the seat warm until Jordan Groshans gets to the big league level or maybe somebody from outside of the organization to bridge that gap between Vlad at third and Jordan Groshans by the time he gets to the big league level. But honestly... I think you can expect every rookie, no matter how good they are, and I will agree we got completely spoiled with Acuna and Juan Soto last year, to struggle to adjust to the big league level because it is the big leagues. You saw Bo Bichette going through the minor league levels, and every single stop he made, he had those adjustment periods. The first few weeks, maybe even months, month and a half, when he got to new levels. So even though it was a little bit more of prolonged struggles for Vlad, there was always very good signs that he was still this uber prospect because that exit velocity was insane. Even when he was making ground ball outs, line outs, fly outs, wherever it may be, this kid is special. And we're seeing the same thing with Bill Bichette. Uh, both of them are honestly going to be superstar talents in my mind going forward. And I don't think it's so crazy to think that the, in 2020, now that everybody's going to have almost a full big, uh, full season in the big leagues under their belt to be really good. They just got to figure out the pitching for 2020. Mike, I know you're just foaming at the mouth over here. 
give me Boba yeah. Shet and why he's been just raking since coming up and why he isn't appearing to even catch wind of this whole adjustment period thing. Yeah, just his swing is really pretty. Have you guys seen that thing? Like, it's, it's so, it's just, it's like picture perfect. It's got and, as uh, much like flow he, as his epic hair. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, his contact skills are clearly uh, very, very good. I, I think that his swing is definitely kind of geared towards line drives. Yet here he's already, I think he already hit three homers so far. So, I mean, he just hits the ball so hard that some of them are going to clear the wall. But he's kind of, I think he's probably going to end up being a doubles machine, which we've seen already. Um, I hope that the, I mean, I'm sure this is, it means nothing. It's such a small sample. His defense has been a little bit shaky so far, but I know that he was graded as a plus defender coming up. So I still have hopes that he'll be, uh, you know, like a viable shortstop and want to move off or short. I wonder how much of that's because of the turf. Yeah, well, true. But I, I wonder that, I think there's actually a chance that Bichette could outwar Vlad in a lot of seasons, just based on the defense alone. It's not a bad idea. Um, Alan, what do you think? About Bichette? And his transition period, lack thereof. <laughs> oh, well, I, I kind of want to temper my expectations. I mean, it, it's great to see him come up and immediately have success, but I'm not going to um, immediately jump on, you know, the this is how it's always going to be. I, I still think that there's probably going to be a transition period that comes up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Danny Jansen had the same thing. Danny Jansen was a really good hitter last year, and he came up guns blazing, and he started this year very poorly. Um, so I'm going to be wary, but it's certainly all all indications are looking real good right now for, for Bo Bichette, and it's looking like he's going to be that, um, that cornerstone, cornerstone type of player. Um, I just wanted to to um, I think it was Brendan's point um, with the third base thing. I was I was thinking if we could if we can shore up our pitching a bit next year. I think a good bridge to Jordan Groshans would be actually someone like I don't know Josh Donaldson, who might not be that expensive and might not be you know looking for a super long term. What do you guys think about that? I would love a, I would love a Josh Donaldson reunion. I yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibilities at all. Uh, I mean, they still have Freddie Galvis under contract for next year. He's playing for the third base, so if need be, Freddie Galvis can go there. But, I mean, hey, I'm always open to Josh Donaldson coming back, especially with how good he's looked lately with the Braves. He's been on fire and looking very close to his 2015 MVP self in 2016 as well. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out at all. I'm totally down. Josh Donaldson is single-handedly saving my uh, end of my season for my fantasy baseball league. Just saying. <laughs> I know, right? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the Boba Shett fun, guys, I um, assume that you have seen the wonderful headlines that Boba Shett is now, as of tonight's game against the Rays, tied the Blue Jays' record for hit streak to open up a career, basically. He is at eight games, and he's been doing it pretty much in epic fashion. Now, the guys he tied, Blue Jays great Jesse Barfield and initial hitting machine Ryan Goins. <laughs> so, yeah. I just thought that it was amazing that Ryan Goins was on that list. But I do remember him coming up, and Kevin Seitzer going, he's going to be the next big thing. He's going to learn how to hit, and he's already got a great glove. <laughs> Did he actually he, say that? 
He said that, and he went on record. I can probably find oh, it. <laughs> that did not age well. <laughs> no, it did not age well at all. See, he, I think he's finally back in the majors as of two weeks ago with the, the he, uh, Chicago White Sox. That's and, right. And ironically, he was leading the International League in some hitting categories. So maybe there's something oh. finally. <laughs> maybe he's not yeah. on, but still a replacement-level <laughs> shortstop probably. But, fellas, are you – if anybody was going to come on the Blue Jays minor league system and challenge this kind of a record for the most hits to start, most hitting streak games to start a career off, are you not shocked that it was Boba shot? And Brendan, I'll let you kick it off. Well, I probably would have said Vladdy when he first came up. Obviously, I think that would have been everybody's choice to break any sort of records when he got up here. But now, I mean, Bobachette, and I actually completely agree, I believe it was Mike who said, would not surprise me at all, especially when you factor in defense and how heavily that's weighted, especially in Fangraph's war, that he may outwar Vlad in some seasons. Vlad obviously will always have to flare with his power and everything else and get all the headlines, but honestly, I would not be surprised if Bobachette ends up outwarring him either. I was actually talking about that yesterday up at the cottage with my uncle, saying, hey, this guy is going to be the next big thing, and he is. He's starting to, but I also agree with Alan. There's going to be an adjustment period at some point for Bobachette. If he goes through prolonged struggles, the one thing that I'll take a lot of comfort in is they let Danny Jansen work through his struggles at the beginning of this year, let him stay up here, because he was performing extremely well behind the plate defensively. So they'll let him ride it out, even if he struggles the remainder of the year after a few hot weeks. Hey, that's totally fine because 2019 is the year for people to work through their struggles and start carving out roles for 2020 and 2021 and beyond. Yeah, and I think that's exactly where we're at with the – even when we've seen the demotions, Brendan, we've seen it for players that were not contributing on either side of the ball. You know, at the time when Teoscar Hernandez was sent down, was okay on defense, but obviously he's went down, he's come back, he's been hitting and playing a stellar center field, guys. I, I can't believe I'm saying it. My jaw is literally on the floor right now even saying that. I'm surprising myself, but that's been the key. Let them work through it. Danny Jensen was obviously – he's been an elite catcher this year, fellas. Can everybody kind of agree with me on defense that, that he's been yeah. nothing short of amazing? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I think he's top five defensively for Fangraph's war defensively. Never in a million years would have predicted that to begin the season. No. No way. No way. <laughs> I, I knew he was going to be a salvageable catcher, but I was thinking middle of the ballpark – you know, not bad, not good, kind of a la Mike Piazza. <laughs> you know, just replacement level as defense. But this is insane how quick he's been able to turn that around and turn into something like this. And I think that's exactly where they need to be making sure they're hedging all their bets. Bobachette is obviously completely dominating the baseball on offense. We've seen some miscues on short, but... I'm going to let that slide when he's turning an error that he had earlier in tonight's ball game into a opposite field home run. I'm going to just take that. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, just to update to what I was saying earlier, I just looked. Danny Jansen has actually moved into number two overall in the league for a defensive rating. Amazing. Um, on Fangraphs. Only JT Real Muto is ahead of him. And that's saying something. Because we know that he, last of, year he was ahead of everybody in that and the fact that he was such a high trade target from the Marlins at the end of last season yeah. was because of his defense and having enough to go with the bat. So, yeah, very, very solid stuff. And that's a big piece to the Blue Jays' future there, fellas. Brendan and I have talked about extensively. <laughs> I'm going to let Alan and Mike talk about this for a second, but 
When was the last catcher that you were excited about, that you were actually really excited about, not just hyped up about in Blue Jays history? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Tell me that one doesn't <laughs> Does Greg Zahn count? <laughs> <laughs> he went there. <laughs> you might have manned up and actually said Greg Zahn. Just... <laughs> So, but oh, in all reality, the fellas, first thing that comes to mind is Chris Big Ten, but Josh, like Josh, <laughs> Josh, Josh Phelps. Phelps Josh Phelps is probably though. the one I was legitimately excited about, but he transitioned to first base rather quickly, and that's because we yeah. had Charlie O'Brien at our catcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, jeez, I'm reaching back now. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's very interesting. Anybody that sticks out. Alan, you want to weigh in? Or are you good? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I honestly can't remember. <laughs> he's just, he's still excited Halloween. that Ken Huckabee uh, took out Derek Jeter or something. <laughs> what the Ken Huckabee? I thought it was uh, I thought it was Kevin Cash. Nope, that was Ken uh, Huckabee. <laughs> oh, okay. My friends at my Ooh, fantasy um, baseball league uh, let me hear it every year because they're all Jeter fans, obviously, here in New York. And they're like, Craig, Ken Huckabee, cough, cough. You suck. <laughs> so, but, and that the fact that, fellas, looking through this minor league system, there's like four good catchers in our minor league system right now. And yeah, the fact that Danny Jansen is obviously the first to the plate here, but it gets just as good following through. I don't ever think Reese McGuire is going to have the offensive potential that Danny Jansen has, and that's probably why he's going to be destined to be in his shadow. But we have Aliando Kirk and then the, I forget the young, young, young youngster that's playing in the Dominican League right now, off the top of my head. Javier DeRazio? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then there's Gabriel Moreno, too, that's playing with the lug nuts. That's looking pretty good, too. And So I guess that's five. Freaking me out. <laughs> yeah. We've only ever had like one guy to ever be excited about in my in our minor league system about possibly even having a glimmer of hope of being a Blue Jays catcher. And now we have this plethora of talent in the infield in general and behind the plate. Uh, Brendan, I know we've been talking about it uh, extensively, but this team is teeming with talent all the way through the minor league system. How does this not turn into something quickly? when all this is going on. Uh, I'm not sure if, uh, I know you did, Craig, but uh, <laughs> Alan and, and Mike, I'm not sure if you saw my tweet, uh, I think it was last week. The one thing that Mark Shapiro and Russ Atkins said they wanted to do when they got here was create waves on waves on waves of talent. And we're starting to yeah. see that at the big league level, and we're starting to see that at the minor league level, those guys in AAA, double A and single A, high A, low A, whatever it is, just coming together and you can see waves on waves of position players coming through. And after the last two trade deadlines and off-seasons of trades, you can start to see that with the pitching, too. I know they're not here. Some of them are here. But they've done what they said they were going to do. They're, they've created waves on waves of talent to come through and feed the big league system constantly. And you know what? There's going to be some extras down there that can be used as trade bait when they are ready to add at a trade deadline or in an off-season. And that in itself is exciting to me. Yeah, it's not just bloodlines in Toronto anymore. <laughs> um yeah, Alan, why don't you weigh in on what you think about where this minor league system is going and how the cupboards are full right now and that the potential is here for this team just to burst out in the next couple of years. Well, I was um, also a little bit annoyed that um, the Jays got dropped to ninth, I think, on um, Van Graaff's list. 
was one of the lists. They, they got dropped to ninth, and I, I don't really think that was fair. And um, I think if you take a good look at this minor league system, and, and we had an exercise earlier in the offseason where we took a, you know, a rather deep dive into the, into the system, and there are tons of intriguing prospects in the system past your big, your, you know, your bigger name. You've got guys like Alejandro Kirk. You've got guys like Chavez Young. He wasn't having a great year, but he was very interesting. He's still pretty interesting, you know, and you remember that these are all young guys. And they can have down years, but there's always the chance they're going to turn it around. But the, the main thing with prospects is that you're always going to have a percentage that flame out. So you really got to pack in the quantity. And um, that's really what the Jays are doing right now. And they're eventually going to have a few of these guys like Kirk or um, or Groshans or um, Josh Winkowski that kind of come come up and, and, and surprise with, with how well they play. And then they end up becoming cornerstone pieces. And maybe they don't. But the point is that you have these guys coming up and, and they have – you know, potential beyond what you maybe thought. And um, I've, I've always said from the beginning that the front office, you know, for whatever fault that you can you can lay on them, they've done a, a fantastic job with the minor league system, and they always have. Mike, you want to put a bow on that before I ask everybody's fun, wonderful question here that I got brewing in my brain? <laughs> well, I just wanted to say that I really love the system. I think it's one of the deepest in baseball right now. I'm currently doing... Uh, just kind of working through our system right now so that we can update our, our top 50 and at RadioScouts.com. And I, I'm, I'm seeing, yeah. I'm, <laughs> this, I'm seeing at least... There's a good 50 easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually seeing at least 70 names that are genuinely intriguing. Yeah, Some obviously way more than others, but it's, it's a very deep system. I'm really excited about it, and I don't think that it's getting the love that it deserves right now after the graduations of, like, say, Vlad, Jansen, and Biggio, and now Bichette, he's still, still rookie eligible. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just a very good system, and I can't wait to see as it starts bearing its fruits wave after wave. And I really do think that sustainability for, like, winning is going to be, it's going to be there. It's going to be starting to happen as early as next season. I'm not going to say the Jays are making the playoffs next year, but I do think that they'll be better next year than they are. Yeah, they'll be competitive. So I think it's just a very exciting time right now to be a Jays fan. Yeah, the eventual dynasty is forming right in front of our eyes, and the first part of it yeah. is this new core four that I want to get to here in a minute. That's obviously maybe you know, a few big, few people bigger than four people, as we were chit-chatting before the show. But, um, Mike, I'm going to go to you first. Um, who are you most excited to see more of in this Meyer League system before, you know, maybe it's not a big name or whoever, but who are you most excited or who maybe has caught you by surprise? Um, well, I mean, I'm a huge Jordan Groshans fan. I will say that. I might be his, uh, his biggest proponent right now. But, uh, I mean, aside from him, I'd say maybe a little more under the radar. I really like, um, oh, let's see here. Well, Gabriel Moreno is really good. He's kind of popped up out of nowhere this year. He used to be a shortstop, very athletic. And I also like Joey Murray quite a bit. <laughs> Joey Murray is, he just keeps moving up this year. He has moved from, I think, uh, single A to double A now. And he just continues to mow batters down, even though he throws like 89, 90. And 
it's just his his delivery. He's so deceptive. And like, if you guys have ever seen him pitch, it's it's kind of the ball is on top of you before you even realize it. He reminds um, me of Justin Maese when he was pitching well a few years ago with the lug nuts before he completely fell off the radar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Joey Murray, like he just continues to strike out like twelve batters per nine at every stop. So that's legitimately exciting right now. And I think he's just flying completely under the radar. Alan, who do you got for me? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, stumped him. <laughs> I was probably going to say Gabriel Moreno, but I'm probably like the biggest Alejandro Kirk fan in the world, so it's hard for me to pick another Have you seen Kirk live yet? Uh, I, I don't have an opportunity. Okay. Or at least, or at least seen him on like minor league TV with the lug nuts or something? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I got to see him and, when uh, I was down in Bluefield last year, and everybody stops in the ballpark when Kirk was hitting. <laughs> then watches. And I don't know if sitting that's there in awe of power. It's <laughs> a spectacle. Yeah. I guess it depends on why they stop. <laughs> well, you don't expect this guy that's like, what, 5'9 and stocky to be able to hit the ball as hard as he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did see about his his swing that, that bothers me is that he really stays a lot on his back foot and I'm hoping that as he progresses um, he gets more out in front and is able to hit the ball uh, kind of be able to elevate it a bit more because um, his power is his power numbers are really down this year um, and I think that's largely uh, correctable because he's, he's got a you know, he's got all the tools to, to have the power, and uh, I think he's just not doing a good job of tapping into it right now. Yeah, maybe it's a balancing issue almost. Like, he's just not he's not going from his load to his stride really well type thing is what you're thinking. Yeah, like, if you watch him, if you watch him swing, like, the, the swing itself is, is very good, but in the, in his, yeah, in his load, man, it looks like he's, it looks like he's reacting very, maybe, I don't know how to say it, but maybe a bit late to the pitch. And, um, it's it's hampering his power a bit because he's he's not really getting out in front of the ball and hitting it with as much as authority as he's as his his talent would enable him to. Brendan, is there anybody you think, would like to gush about? <laughs> I honestly, I mean, I'm excited to see some of these guys who are up in the rotation right now finally get an extended shot at the uh, at the major league rotation. I know Sean Lee Foley didn't have a day to start yesterday, but. We've always gushed about his fastball and his curveball, especially. So I'm excited to see him and Vegas Pack continue on. But down to the minors, guy who recently got promoted to AAA, I'm excited about Santiago Espinal because this guy they got him for Steve Pierce, and and nobody kind of thought anything of him at the time. But he in the off season was on, I believe, a top ten list of guys in the minor leagues to just break out because of his insane wide drive rate and hard contact off the bat. So Espinal now up in AAA would not surprise me if maybe we see him as soon as next year. I doubt we see him this year because I don't believe he's on the 40-man right now. I might be wrong on that. But, uh, yeah, Espinal getting graduated up to AAA is definitely exciting for me. But uh, further down, Josh Winkowski has definitely opened my eyes and he's made uh, made me look and pay attention a little bit more to what he's been doing down in the minor league. So I'll give you those guys, plus some guys who are up here right now, like Sean Reed Foley, Elwagas Pack, and continue to see Trent Thornton progress a little bit too. Just all those names you guys throw out there, I just think it's amazing that you all pulled different names from each other and didn't bother to go out and just 
no, let's just go for him or him or that. Or, you know, where that was an easy answer a couple years ago when everybody was just like, Vlad, 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 Vlad. Oh, yeah, Boba Shet, Vlad. <laughs> but um, how exciting is it to know that you still have guys, even after that conversation we had, we still have Kevin Smith's, Griffin Conines, <laughs> Kendall Williams, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, Adam Klobenstein. <laughs> That's, the, and the list is slightly ridiculous of where this Meyer League system is going. And as far as where the Major League team is going, guys, we've already been seeing the thinning of the herd in the starting rotation, basically due to injuries, trades, whatever it has been lately. What do the Blue Jays do to eat up innings for the next two months? Uh, Mike, I'll let you kick it off. Well, I think they have a bunch of guys that are kind of on the cusp right now with, um, you know, AAA I mean, we have Anthony Kay, there's TJ Zoic, um, John Harris is alive and breathing somewhere. Um, <laughs> He's actually been flying pretty well under the radar, but not been too rough <laughs> yeah. in the few outings I've seen. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, you know, Wagaspak is up. Uh, Trent Thornton, he's actually been, he's been okay. He's been okay. And I think that there's enough here. Like, I mean, you know, Sean Reed Foley, obviously, he can put some innings in. Um, who else is there? On blanks, they're just there are quite a few guys that are that are young and on that cusp of coming in. But having said that, they could also go out and sign if they wanted to somebody like Matt Harvey's available. If we want to, you know, gas can the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's Luis Gohara, although I think he's hurt and he was just released by the Braves. Um, I would actually like to see the Jays take a flyer on him, though. That wouldn't yeah, be the worst they're, they're, flyer. They're yeah, exactly. There have been the worst flyers done. <laughs> we did take a flyer on Edwin Jackson. Just saying. <laughs> yes, we did. And that, that did not work out. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that there are enough pieces at AAA right now that the Jays can piece together some kind of a working five-man rotation. Alan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on the same. I'm on the same um, wavelength as Mike. There, I, I don't think there's. I think there's enough interesting pieces. There's, you know, Sean Reed Foley is up right now. He's, you know, providing that. Is there um, anybody that you think might stand out out of that group of the collective, I guess, <laughs> before the end of the season? I think, I think Waterspark has looked pretty good. Um, I think he might be the, the one guy, I would say, out of that group that could really surprise um, and establish himself as a part of the rotation for next year. Um, other than that, I think they, they can piece together outings. They have enough guys in the bullpen. Um, it, it's obviously not going to be pretty to watch, but at least we'll be able to see some high scoring games. So, you know, it's something. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously not about winning this year. I mean, you just want to basically have enough innings. I'm, I'm thinking Jacob Weisspeck's thinking good thing that you picked him because the Blue Jays just sealed the deal on the, the game against the Tampa Bay Rays this evening and a 2 nothing victory for him. So that's pretty solid stuff. I think it's good that you find he got a got a win out of this one because this was a what started off as a rough game for him with a couple errors in the infield and he was able to wiggle out of it. And the Blue Jays come up with a two nothing win over the Tampa Bay Rays, who are obviously playing for a playoff spot, fellas. Brendan, pretty exciting stuff from uh, Wagas Peck to this, this evening. And who else do you think will step up? Yeah, I mean, I'm just. I think they're just going to continue to piece it together. I mean, I think that's like obviously the great thing about having Buffalo as your AAA team so close to Toronto. You can have a bunch of guys riding that shuttle down the QEW and across the Peace Bridge, 
to get between the ballparks. So, I mean, I still think we'll see guys like Tyler Cicito, Kirby Sneed come up. Uh, Andrew Sopko is down in AAA right now who they got for Russell Martin. Honestly, there's a whole bunch of guys. It's not going to be a struggle to put together a rotation in my mind for the rest of the year. And guys, honestly, and I, I think we've all said his name already, but yeah, Jacob Wagas pack is every time out, he's looked better, better uh, every single time through. And he kind of starts to struggle the second and third time through the through the uh, batting order. But, I mean, that's what you get with a guy who's a four or five guy in your rotation. So uh, I'm excited to continue to see him progress because he's opened my eyes a little bit. And I don't know how anybody can be upset that they traded Aaron Luke for him because they've already got crazy value for Jacob Logs back. Yeah, so I've I've never that. loved Aaron Luke more than I love him right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I I, I think I'm going to say Vegas back for the rest of the year because uh, I I tried to watch as many of his outings as possible and he looked pretty damn good each time out. All right, fellas, um, Alan, do you have any topics you would like to hit before I we had to pick the click? <laughs> uh, kind of caught me off guard. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go around the table, guys. I got all of us together. I can't just kill it. Do I have any topics? Good. No, not, not really. Uh, I think baseball anyway. <laughs> More so, drinking related. We talk about that a lot too. Video <laughs> <laughs> yeah. drinking. Hey, hooray, Mike. You good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I, I have nothing else I really want to add. Uh, so. Brendan, you want anything to add? No, I think I'm good right. too, man. I think yeah, we did a pretty good job. I think we're going to introduce him to our game. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it's time for I think it's the that time. now that we actually. Yeah, it's time, buddy. Kick it off. So, Brendan and I have been playing a game with Picks the Click for the following week, for the week after the show, for more or less bragging rights and fun. Um, right now, I have one win, Brendan has one win, and our guests have two. And that was including okay. a fan guest. <laughs> so, last week, I get another win now because I picked Vladdy Guerrero Jr., and I don't think I can... Are you going to argue with me, Brendan, about the reigning player of the week? <laughs> no, I'll let you take that one, man. All right, that's all you. All right, Brendan, let me let me hear who you got first for the uh, coming week of Blue Jay baseball, who you think is going to be the out, the outbreak candidate. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see Sean Reed Foley go out there and improve on his outing from yesterday or two days ago. Uh, I guess, yeah, it was only yesterday against uh, Kansas City, so I'm going to I'm going to walk in Sean Foley going out, I guess, on Friday. It'll be his next scheduled turn and uh, throw out a nice little game against the Yankees. You were pretty close with Lagospec last week, just saying. But yeah, no, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was tempted to pick him again, but I, I, I'm not going to double dip. I'm going to give our guests the next wonderful uh, shot here. Um, and I'm going to give you guys a pick each, and you're going to double up the guest spot odds here. Uh, Mike, who do you think is going to be the Blue Jays' top performer for the following week? So how, I'm just curious to know, like, are there any specific measurables you guys use to determine this? Or More just or less like, gut feeling. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We put uh, it up for a poll. I'm going to go... What's that? We put it up for a poll. <laughs> yeah. I'll go with, uh, you know who's due, due to turn around a little bit is Kevin Biggio. He's been quiet lately. I think he'll probably uh, have a good week. Okay. And let's see. Alan. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a crazy pick, and I'm going to take uh, Randall Gritch. Randall Gritchick. Sneaky good over the last few weeks. Hot in his hot cheek. And I think that he'll be the the top guy this week. There you go. And now I got a pick. I'm going to go with my, uh, I'm going to go with Danny Jansen again this week because he's been awfully quiet. 
and I he was my only other win, so I guess I'm just going to go back and forth between him and Vladdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, fellas, what we usually do with our guests to end up the show here is um, you tell us what you guys are up to, and you know this is your moment to shine, be a shameless self-promoter. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us what's going on and um obviously we're gonna be having to do this again soon because this was a lot of fun but mike you want to kick us off sure yeah so um for those of you who don't know us we are a we have a blog and podcast that is just blue jay centric radio scouts and you can find us at radioscouts.com we're available through bluejaysaggr.com as well um, you can find our podcast pretty much anywhere you, you know you get your pod- podcast um YouTube, Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Uh, right now we are working on our top 50 prospects update, and that'll be posted soon on the Blue Jays or the uh, RadioScouts.com blog. And uh, we just have a new writer that's coming to the fold. He just released his uh, latest article last week. That was pretty exciting. His name is Jasper Bosman. He used to write for Blue Jays, or Blueberry Banter. So, yeah, everything's been pretty busy lately. Yeah. Um, Alan, you want to continue on that? How many How many people do you guys have at Radio Scouts now? Um, we have a – I don't really know. Mike really takes care of the blog. I hate writing. <laughs> um, but, uh, You're just I, that I've guy. written one article on the website, and it was about how I think nobody should go to Tim Hortons anymore. <laughs> and I remember how much I hate writing articles. But, um, yeah, um, on the blog, on the podcast itself, we've got, um, we've got me, uh, Andrew, John, uh, Nick. It's the five of us, but we go in uh, four-man stretches. And then Mike also does a prospect special episode with our regional cross-checker, Link, um, who's very uh, prospect-focused. And, and savvy, um, and then a bunch of other people write blogs for the website. I don't think we have really very many community guys that are full time or anything because we don't pay anybody. But um, <laughs> yeah. but but uh, yeah, like a, a bunch of people will chip in here and there to help, and everything goes through our editorial process. So um, that's about it. I don't really have much to add other than what Mike did. I might have to read that Tim Hortons article just because it might be the best Tim Hortons article I read since Ryan O'Reilly ran into one. (laughs) He was a Buffalo Sabre at the time, and apparently there was an episode where he ran into a Tim Hortons with his car. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Apparently it was like a grazing more than anything, but that's not how the headline read. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my illustrious co-host Brendan Panikar, it's your turn, my friend. Yeah, I mean, same old, same old, buddy. Not too much else to add other than uh, keep on getting some wonderful guests like uh, Mike and Alan on the show. I think things are going to die down a little bit, other than uh, keeping up to date with some of the young kids up at the big league level, which we'll continue to cover on uh, the Jaybird Watching podcast and. Honestly, just get excited for the weekend when Boba Shett finally makes his uh, uh, home debut on uh, Thursday night against the Yankees. There you go. And everybody, well, first off, great show. Pleasure having everybody. We're going to hit this almost yeah, dead on for an hour. <laughs> and any time, guys, we'll have to make sure we make this more of a regular thing because yeah. this was uh, high on the shenanigans level, and I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot for having us. 
So Blue Jays fans, I am Craig Borden, Brendan Panikar, my normal co-host with me. He'll be his show to host next week, so make sure you tune in on that so you get won't have to deal with my you know level of weirdness or whatever as a host next week. You can have a whole different I'm level with Brendan. Here, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many levels. <laughs> so until then... Catch us on Twitter at BirdWatchingGC, our new friends at Radio Scouts on Twitter as well. Also, don't forget to sign up for both of our podcasts wherever you get your podcasting pleasures from, whether that's iTunes, Google Play, whatever it might be on whatever cell phone device you have on your morning commute. And until then, fellas, let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.